all things New Orleans Saints. This is Who Dat Discussion. Who dat? Who dat? Who dat? Who dat? Who dat? Powered by Overtime Media. What is up, Who Dat Nation? Welcome into our final offseason, final training camp episode here at the Houdat Discussion. As always, I am your host, Andrew Galata. You can follow me on Twitter, at Andrew Galata. And then also, you can follow the podcast on Twitter, at the Houdat Dis. And we have an extremely exciting episode in store for you guys today. We're going to talk about the disappointing news of Jadavion Clowney signing with the Titans. We told you guys last episode that the Saints were close to signing Jadavion Clowney, and they were, according to Sean Payton, they said they were actually very close to getting a deal done, but it obviously was not enough as Clowney did sign with the Titans. We're going to talk about all the implications of that, the trade that almost went down where the Saints would have actually traded for cash, which would have been extremely interesting so they can get Jadavion Clowney, which to me is just beyond crazy and just loomising everything, but the NFL didn't allow them. So we're going to get all into that. We're going to talk about the Saints 53-man roster here and practice squad. And we're basically just going to tell you guys the group here and then just break it down, see if anything that I like or something I was surprised about. So we'll talk about that. And then finally, we are going to preview the second half of the Saints schedule here. So it's obviously going to be very, very fun. And we're going to get all into that later into the episode after our break. But I do want to start off here with the Jadavion Clowney saga at this point. That's really what it was, as he did end up signing with the Tennessee Titans. And it did seem that the Saints were definitely close to a deal with him, but it just didn't end up panning out. It seems like the Titans came in like last second, up their offer to like $15 million with incentives, and they were able to get that deal done. And it seems like, look, if you're the Saints, definitely a gut punch, but it does show a few things, which, look, first... You can go all out for someone and like the Saints are going to do that. And they're going to go all out for a player they really like. And if they sign him, don't sign him. You got to commend Mickey Loomis for basically pulling out all the stops to try to get Clowney. And it seems like that they'll do that in the future for a train deadline deal or something like that. Let's say the Saints end up having a hole. The Saints and Mickey Loomis and their front office will go out and find someone that can patch that up for the season. That is obviously really good. And that's something that you have to be assured as a Saints fan. I don't think that this team is done making moves. So that obviously is really big. I just feel like right now, if they see something that just isn't working properly, they're going to try to do anything in their power to fix it. And that if that means going out into the trade market and getting a guy, that's what they're going to do. Is it signing someone else from free agency? That's what they're going to do. And that's something that you have to be very, very confident in doing. So that is like the positives. Like that's something like, look, the Saints, if the opportunity presents itself, they will definitely go all out and try to sign someone. That's great. And that's the good news. I'll start off with that. The bad news is you don't end up with the three-time Pro Bowler. You don't end up with the former first overall pick. And that's something that is truly disheartening because definitely you were built up that the Saints were going to get him, that they were close to a deal. And I mean, I was thinking to myself, like it would almost been better if the Saints weren't even interested because you wouldn't have that what if. But Look, that's going to hurt, and that's going to sting for at least a little, probably until the Saints take the field against the Bucks. But the one thing I want to say about the Saints with Clowney, I think it definitely would have took them to the next level. It would have made the group very, very, very deep, 
and it would add more star power to the group. But I don't think that the Saints defensive line needs to Davion Clowney. They have a star, definitely one of the really top five defensive ends in all of football and Cameron Jordan, maybe even higher, top three, maybe even. So that to me is really good, but definitely top five. And you could definitely make an argument for top three. So that's something that's, look, you got the star power with Cameron Jordan. Then you have Marcus Davenport, who's a player that did have six sacks in 12 plus games last year. In the 13th game, he did get hurt. So that's something that's really good. And now you're hoping he takes that third year jump, that next step. If he can stay healthy, the Saints defense will be just fine. And, or the Saints defensive line, I should say. It will be just fine. He's a player that actually had a higher pressure rate than Jadavion Clowney. And he's a guy that I think when you put him with Cameron Jordan, they fit perfectly together. And Clowney does play very similar to Marcus Davenport. So again, it would have been definitely to try to get both of those guys in the lineup. It would have been very, very difficult. And right now, you can make a case that Davenport's actually better than Clowney. So that's something that's really interesting. I think with the Saints, and if they got Clowney, the biggest thing would be, look, that depth would be insane. You have three very, very, very high caliber defensive ends coming off of the edge for the Saints. That is huge. And that's something that is really important. Add that to Trey Hendrickson, add that to Carl Granderson. And that's something that you have to just be really excited about if it would happen. It didn't end up happening. So right now, if you're the Saints, you have to bank on Marcus Davenport and really bank on his health. Because I think if he's healthy, I I really think it's sky's the limit for him. I wouldn't be surprised if you saw an 8-sack season. I wouldn't be even surprised if you saw a 10-sack season from him because he's going to get a ton of one-on-one opportunities. And he's a guy that if he can really exploit a certain matchup, he's going to go after it time and time again, and he's going to create trouble. And we saw that last year, and really when he hit his groove, he was almost unstoppable. Then he gets hurt then it's something that's really, really tough. I think last season he would end up with 8 to 10 sacks. That's just my opinion on it if he played those last four games because he was really hitting a stride later in that season. So to me, if he stays 100% healthy, add that with Rankin staying healthy, hopefully Onyemata stays healthy, I think the Saints' defensive line and defensive end position will be just fine. The team just had 50 sacks. They were third in sacks in the NFL. They're top three in pressures as well. Like, this team gets to the quarterback consistently with Jadavion Clowney or not. What I think Clowney adds is, as I was saying before, he adds a ton of depth. That's what I was saying last episode. Because, look, the one thing with Davenport is his health. And the season where it's a Super Bowl or bust year, you would like to know that you have Jadavion Clowney along with Davenport. And then, basically, everyone will be fresh and it would be all great. But, look, sometimes the world isn't perfect. And sometimes, like, every team's not perfect. Every team has some type of little... Whole, whether it even be the Chiefs who just won the Super Bowl last year or the Ravens, whoever it may be, every team does have a hole. And maybe the Saints will end up being some defensive line depth. I don't think it will be. I think they're deep. And adding to the fact that you do have Carl Granderson, who I think is going to take kind of the next step in his progression. I really like what we heard from him in training camp. So that was really great. You're hoping Trey Hendrickson could kind of be the same type of player he was for the Saints last year. So that's just adding another kind of role edge rusher, which is great. And then adding in some other guys interior, which is great too. You obviously have the two main guys with Onyemata and Rankins, but then you're also going to add Shai Tuttle, who hopefully takes the next step. I'm just very, very excited. Malcolm Roach also is another player that's depth on the interior. He's a guy that plays very similar to Mario Edwards Jr., who the Saints cut. And he's a guy that I think could also be a splash player when the Saints need 
some depth as well in the interior. It kind of reminds me of them last year getting Shai Tuttle, the year before with Taylor Stallworth. Like, they're going to find guys that they can fit on the interior in the undrafted free agent pool. They've been very, very good at that. So to me, I still think this defensive line looks really, really good. I think that, look, if Davenport goes down, you do see a hole. But again, that's something that you could definitely play by ear. Because let's say Davenport does go down, you can go out and trade for someone. You can go out into the free agent market and try to sign someone as well. Like, you could definitely try to shore up that area, excuse me, in different ways. And I think that the Saints could do that beyond Davion Clowney. And that's something that maybe they're going to now wait and see. But I think the, the reassurance thing here is that the Saints will try to make that move if they see it fit. And that's something that they're going to continue to do for this season, probably beyond the season as well, because they won a Super Bowl this year. And that's something that, to me, is just huge. So really, when looking at it right now, I think that the Saints, again, you were definitely upset that Clowney didn't come to New Orleans, but I don't think it's a 100% deal breaker. Now the Saints don't are Super Bowl contenders and don't win the Super Bowl. That's not the case, in my opinion. So that's just really what I'm thinking there. And I also, before we, we get to the 53-man roster, I do want to talk about this trade here that the Saints almost made. And it was basically almost set. And if this trade was set, Jadavion Clowney would be on airline drive right now. He would be practicing with the Saints right now, which is crazy to think about. So this was the trade. And Sean Payton said that we got close and basically we weren't able to match the money. And that was one of the challenges this year. That, that's what he said about the whole situation. But this trade would have matched the Saints with that offer of the Titans. And this was just crazy. This is Luminomics at its highest level. This is like advanced Luminomics right now. And it was really crazy. So this was the proposed trade. So basically, it would have been another team. Let's just call it Team X. It was presumed to be the Cleveland Browns. And they were going to sign Jadavion Clowney to a one-year, $15 million deal with a signing bonus of $5 million. So that was the first kind of domino to fall. And it seems like everyone was agreeing to this. So this would have happened if the NFL didn't nix it. So basically what happened was the Clowney would have signed with the Browns and then the Saints would have immediately then traded for Clowney and then given up the second round pick and also a player that would have been a salary dump for the Saints but still would have helped the Browns in their 2020 season. So that would obviously have been good for them. It would have been good for the Saints to get Clowney. But the problem was it was the NFL didn't want the Browns to basically pay $5 million of Jadavion Clowney's salary just basically for a second-round pick and a player. So the NFL didn't want cash to be the center of the deal because that's really what it was. The Saints were basically trading a second-rounder and then also a player for $5 million in cash so they can get Clowney to be a Saint. This deal is crazy. First of its kind, so that's something that you kind of have to just kind of scratch your head about because you have to get your mind to think about it like it's basically a sign and trade at this point. That's really what it is, which is not allowed in the NFL, so that's why it didn't go through. Like, you're not allowed to have cash at the center of your deal, so that's why this didn't work here. And look, yes, the NFL, I guess, in theory, could have let it go through because it would have definitely created a lot of buzz around the league, but they're going to stick to their ways, and I don't think that's going to change. So really, that's something that I'm not surprised of happening. Everyone's obviously also talking about how the NFL just hates the Saints and they wouldn't want them to make this crazy trade to get Jadavion Clowney. 
I don't really know what it is. And again, I think that it's just probably NFL protocol at this point. It's just a lot of stuff. Look, that wasn't allowed beforehand. It's not allowed now. So that's really what the case was. And it would have been a precedent. Maybe they don't want other teams doing this and really manipulating the salary cap to like basically there is no salary cap in the case of making Loomis where you can just make trades for basically opening up cap space, which again is not allowed here in the NFL. So that's really the case. But I think the question that I wanted to address was would I have done this? Would I have traded a second round pick and a player for Jadavion Clowney, one year of Jadavion Clowney, and then also you have to pay $10 million of Clowney's salary this year, and I wouldn't have done it. I'm going to be very, very straight up with you guys. I wouldn't have done that deal. I wouldn't give up another second round pick, and then a player on top of that, which probably would have been either Patrick Robinson or Sheldon Rankins, and that's something that, to me, the price is way too steep for basically a guy that won't even be on the field 100% of the defensive snaps. That's just my opinion. Now, I understand why people obviously want Clowney. You want the star player. You want to really go all in for 2020. But at a certain point, this team to me is already set. They're already basically all in. Not many holes at all on this team. And they're definitely a Super Bowl contender. Now you have to give up not only pay a free agent, which is one thing. And that's something that I definitely would have done. You obviously, especially for one year, to me, you could throw any amount of money at a guy for one year because at the end of the year it's done you're it's paid for but then you have to actually kind of trade on top of that and give up a second rounder which especially when the saints are definitely strapped for cash and i'm not saying that mickey loomis can't get around it in the future but at a certain point you're going to be strapped for cash and it's going to make you not retain some starters down the road you're going to have to get new starters and that's why you need draft picks that's why you can't go season after season after season without a first rounder without a second rounder you can't do that for a long period of time and to give up a second rounder for only one year of Jadavion Clowney adding to that another player you would have had to give up probably on your defense with either Sheldon Rankins who I think is going to have a huge year or Patrick Robinson who's basically your third boundary corner at this point It's something I wouldn't have done. And that's really my opinion on it. Definitely want to hear what you guys think. Would you you have done this trade? Would you have actually pulled the trigger to get Jadavion Clowney to New Orleans, but you would have to give up a second rounder and a player? It's a very, very interesting thing here. And definitely want to hear your guys' opinion on it, but I just wouldn't do it. So now we are going to get into the Saints 53-man roster and practice squad as they did announce the roster two days ago and the practice squad yesterday. And I definitely love what the Saints did here. Definitely some moves that surprised me, but overall pretty happy to see what the Saints did here. And really, I think we should just get right into this, starting off with the quarterbacks. And the Saints did keep three quarterbacks as expected. Drew Brees, Taysom Hill, and then Jameis Winston The interesting thing about this quarterback group wasn't the three guys that made it, is how they were actually set up on the depth chart. Not Drew Brees, obviously, he was the first team starter, we all know that. But then the second team, the second stringer, and the third stringer, Taysom Hill was named the second stringer, and then Jameis Winston was the third stringer. So I thought that was extremely interesting to see that the Saints would go Taysom Hill if Brees got hurt long-term, it seems, than maybe Jameis Winston. I don't know, maybe it's not true. But that, to me, was very, very interesting. Like, maybe if it was short-term, like five games, they'd go Jameis. And then if it was really long-term, like Breeze was out for the year, maybe they would go Taysom Hill. 
to me, that is very, very, very interesting there. So I definitely wanted to point that out. Moving over to the running backs, they kept four of them, which was something I was not expecting. So obviously they kept Alvin Kamara, they kept Latavius Murray, and then also Ty Montgomery. Then their fourth string, they kept a fourth running back in Dwayne Washington, who's currently on the COVID reserve list. We don't know why he's on the reserve list. Like, we don't know if he has COVID or if he was in contact with someone that did have COVID-19. So it's obviously going to be kind of interesting to see what happens once he comes off that list and to see if they keep him on the roster and to see who they actually cut or put to their practice squad when they put Washington on the roster. But I thought that was very, very interesting there. Your fullback, Michael Burton, we all know the Saints keep a fullback and he was the only one on this roster. So we knew he was almost a lock or basically I would say the closest thing to a lock that a fullback can be. So Burton makes this roster and I think he's going to be someone just like Zach Lyon. He's really going to do some good stuff for the Saints. Moving over to wide receiver. We all know they kept Michael Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders, Traquan Smith, Deontay Harris. They only kept five here. And their fifth receiver was not Benny Fowler. It was Marquise Calloway. So I thought that was very interesting that Fowler actually ended up on the practice squad. And the Saints ended up keeping the undrafted free agent in Callaway, he's more of a deep threat. He's more of a guy that's also a good blocker as well. He's going to play special teams. So I think that was something that surprised me for sure, as I thought the Saints, if they weren't going to keep Benny Fowler, I thought they would have kept someone like little Jordan Humphrey or someone like Emmanuel Butler, but they ended up keeping the undrafted free agent, which I thought was extremely interesting. So that's something obviously to look at and look out for when the Saints take the field. Like, what role will Callaway actually play? So that was the wide receivers there, and it's going to be interesting to see how the Saints toil with that throughout the season. And honestly, I do love this wide receiving group. I think it's very deep, and I'm very excited to see what they bring to the table in 2020. And moving over to the tight ends, three tight ends as usual or as we thought here with Jared Cook, Josh Hill, and Adam Troutman. Not really much to say on them. I really like this group, and I think that Jared Cook could really take the next step with the Saints this season after really getting that chemistry with Drew Brees down. So I'm definitely excited to see that. Adam Troutman, I think he's a guy that's progressing. I think the Saints are going to kind of bring him on slow, but I think they want to basically cultivate all his skills so he could become the tight end of the future for the Saints. And then Josh Hill, always steady, always reliable there. So great to see him back on the roster as well. So moving over to the O-line, the Saints kept eight guys, and then also they kept one guy on the suspension list with James Hurst. So here are the eight O-linemen they kept. It was their starting five as usual, Taron Armstead, Andrews Pete, Eric McCoy, Cesar Ruiz, and then also Ryan Ramchek. And then behind them with the other couple of linemen, it's going to be Ethan Greenidge, Nick Easton, Will Clapp, and Derek Kelly. Derek Kelly is obviously the surprise of the group, as he was a guy that it's going to be his first time on this roster. He also spent some time on the Saints practice squad the last few years. So that's obviously good for him that he's getting his shot. I think the Saints kept him over a guy like Patrick Omame, because they obviously probably wanted more of a young guy. They wanted a guy that maybe brings more athleticism. So I thought that was very interesting. But look, good for Kelly's getting a shot. And maybe we won't even see him on the field, and we probably won't be seeing him unless two guards get hurt. Because I think at this point, I think Nick Easton is definitely that backup guard. Like, if any of the guard or center got hurt, you would see Easton get in there. 
And I think maybe even Clapp would then get the nod over Derek Kelly. So maybe we won't see him at all. But it's definitely good to see him get his shot on the 53-man roster. So not that many surprises with this offensive line. Really only Kelly. I thought the Saints were going to keep Will Clapp over Cameron Tom. So I wasn't surprised about that selection as well. And honestly, the only other thing I want to point out is that Eric McCoy is listed as the center and Cesar Ruiz is listed as the right guard. So I definitely want to point that out as it seems like McCoy will be the starting center and Ruiz will be the starting right guard, which is definitely a surprise as we thought Ruiz would be the center of the group, but it ends up at least to start going to be McCoy. So that's something that I thought was interesting. Flipping it over to the defense, starting off, Defensive ends, defensive line here. So obviously, you have Cameron Jordan as your number one defensive end, as we all know. Then opposite him, we have Marcus Davenport. Then also playing a role spot in the defensive end kind of rotation is Trey Hendrickson and also Carl Granderson. So that rounds out the rest of the defensive end positions for the Saints. Moving over to the interior, you have Malcolm Brown listed as the nose tackle. As your defensive tackles, you have David Onyemata and Sheldon Rankins. And then behind them in the second team, you have Shai Tuttle and Malcolm Roach. So the Saints kept one more interior defensive lineman in Malcolm Roach and not the edge defender with someone like Marcus Hunt or someone like Mario Edwards Jr. So they ended up going with Roach here. And that's something that I think is a surprise, but... It's something that I'm not completely blown out of the water on. Like, yes, I was a little surprised, but you knew Malcolm Roach was playing really well, and the Saints were going to try to find him a roster spot, and it seems like they did that by letting go guys like Marcus Hunt, who actually ended up on the practice squad, and Mario Edwards Jr., who ended up with the Chicago Bears. So that's something that is really interesting, and I think the Saints definitely surprised a lot of people by not keeping the veterans, but the Saints are really good at getting those defensive tackles in the undrafted free agent pool. And I think Malcolm Roach is really more the same here. He's a guy that can do a lot of the things that Mario Edwards can do, like he could pass rush. He's good in the run defense as well. And that's something that's really good. Also, he could really split to the outside if need be. So that's something that I think the Saints like. I think they like his versatility. I think they like that he's a cheap option as well. And I'm really happy for him, happy he's getting a shot, and really inject some more young life into this defensive line, more energy, and that's something that is really, really good. And that's really it for the defensive line. Moving over to the linebackers, the Saints kept six, and that's Demario Davis, Alex Anzalone, Caden Ellis, Zach Vaughn, Craig Robertson, and Chase Hansen. Obviously, the big one here is Chase Hansen instead of Joe Bashi. Bashi ended up on the practice squad. But I think overall, the biggest surprise here is that Caden Ellis is listed as a starter here in the Sam linebacker position instead of Zach Bond, which is the position that a lot of fans and analysts alike thought we'd see Bond play if Kiko Alonso started the season on the pup list. And he did start the season on the pup list, so that means he's going to start at least the start of the season So that's something I thought was extremely interesting here for the Saints. And I guess Caden Ellis really took that next step. I think he's a guy that had a ton of potential as being a starting linebacker down the road. And it seems like he took a big step forward to do that. So it seems like he's going to get snaps here with the starting group in week one, which is something that I'm really surprised about. Also a little nervous for, I'm not going to lie here. But maybe that's because Zach Bond's not ready. 
Maybe it's just to throw off people as this is the unofficial depth chart. So it's all going to be very interesting to see what happens. But I thought that that was probably the biggest surprise here when the Saints released their depth chart and 53-man roster. So that is definitely something to think about there and something that I'm looking forward to at least seeing on Sunday against the Bucks. Also, Chase Hansen, I think, is going to be more of a special teams guy. I bet he won a spot based on that. And a lot of people are like, don't be surprised if he makes the roster over Joe Bashi, even though both could play special teams and both were showing out as linebackers as well. The Saints keep Hansen on the 53-man roster over Bashi, really based on that special teams play. Hansen's more of a veteran special teamer. He played there in college. So I guess that gives him the upper hand there. And I guess he showed enough as a linebacker, someone that could maybe come in in depth situations that the Saints pulled the trigger and then be like, okay, Hanson's our guy instead of Bashi, at least to start the season. It's not like Bashi's not going to be around. He is on the practice squad. So it's definitely going to be interesting to see how that all plays out. But at least for now, Hanson's on the 53-man roster over Bashi. And I think it's based off his great special teams play. So I think that's something that's really big there. Moving over to our final group besides special teams, and that is the secondary. So I'm just going to get right into it, starting off here with the cornerbacks, and that's going to be Marshawn Lattimore, Janoris Jenkins, those are your starters. Then behind them, you have Patrick Robinson, PJ Williams, and then Justin Hardy. So those are the five cornerbacks the Saints kept. Really like this group a lot. And I think if Patrick Robinson could come up in here and really be that third boundary corner and that depth boundary corner that the Saints need here, I think that it really kind of takes a lot of nerves off of a lot of Saints fans who wanted them to add a cornerback. So I think that Robinson will actually do this. He had his best training camp in a very long time. So I'm really excited to see if Robinson can really be a good depth piece here. And let's say you see Janoris Jenkins go down, you see Marshawn Lattimore go down. Robinson could then plug and play and then at least hold his own out there until these guys are healthy. And I'm actually interested to see if that happens, if Robinson can do that. I do have confidence that he could. So that's something that I definitely wanted to say. And then PJ Williams, he's a guy that's probably going to play cornerback and then also going to play safety as well. So I think he's probably going to do a little of both of the scenes. So that's something that is very, very interesting as I think PJ Williams is a satisfactory slot corner and then also could play safety as well. That's something that is really valuable. And that's something that that versatility definitely needed on this roster. So very happy that PJ made this team. I think we all knew he was going to make this team, but I'm happy that he's still with us and we're able to basically re-sign him on like one year contracts year after year for these last two years. So that's something that is very, very good there moving over to the safety position here and that's going to start off with Marcus Williams Malcolm Jenkins then you have CD Deuce or also known as CJ Gardner Johnson then you have DJ Swearinger and then JT Gray I think this group we all knew that these five guys were going to make the team I think this is a very very solid group and a solid position maybe actually the Saints best position on the defense and that's something that I think is up there with also defensive end. This group is very solid. I think you have four players that can all start on the NFL level with Malcolm Jenkins, Marcus Williams, DJ Swearinger, and then CD Deuce. I think all these guys can start. And that's something that I think is very, very important. You have the depth. And then also 
you have players that are kind of veering to that star level. Marcus Williams, I think if he takes that next step, he is a star. You have Malcolm Jenkins, who definitely was a star in the prime of his career. Now, a lot of people think he's getting out of his prime, but maybe he can still keep that for a few more years for the Saints. And then he is definitely a Pro Bowl star type player. C.D. Deuce is a guy that's definitely already impactful. I think if he takes a few more steps, you could definitely see him being a Pro Bowl type player down the road. If not this year, I think he would definitely have to take a major jump forward. And maybe he does that, maybe he doesn't. I don't expect it. But I think he's a guy that's going to be above average starter here in the NFL. I think he's going to play the slot really well. I think he is going to be able to also then be that joker role as well. I'm very, very excited to see what he can do, especially under the wing of Malcolm Jenkins as well. That's something that I think really works well. And then add DJ Swearinger, who is a ball hawk and a really good one. And that's like to say the least with him. And he's a guy that's also a really good veteran presence. He's a guy that looks really motivated. I think that's really good for the Saints. Then add JT Gray, who was a second team all pro with the special teams last season. That is an amazing group here to round out the defense. Moving over to special teams. Now, we all know the first three. Thomas Morstead, Will Lutz, and then also Zach Wood. But then also, the Saints added a second team punter, a second string punter with Blake Gilligan. Gilligan definitely showed out, but this is the biggest surprise in the Saints roster as they kept two punters. So that's something definitely to look at going forward. I think the Saints will definitely move him to the practice squad before Sunday's game. But I think that was something that surprised all Saints fans and analysts alike. And that's something that was definitely a little mind-boggling that the Saints would keep two punters. And it probably makes you laugh too. But I don't think that's going to be staying for long as I see Gilligan moving to the practice squad. And the Saints probably trying to like do it like after the initial cut day, but then before week one to try to like kind of protect him from other teams going to the practice squad. So I think that is kind of the course of action the Saints are going to go. And the kick returner, punt returner is going to be Deontay Harris, as we all know. So he's the first team returner there for the Saints. And then behind him, it's going to be Alvin Kamara and punt return, Taysom Hill and kick return, as we all know. And then the third team, it's Marquise Callaway. So That rounds out the Saints' 53-man roster. And that was definitely a lot, but I think this roster is very good. I think it is extremely solid. There are little to no holes on this roster, even without Jadavion Clowney. Like, we don't need him. And I think that was something I wanted to prove when doing this. We definitely do not need Jadavion Clowney to win a Super Bowl. I think this Saints team is ready to go. It's already a Super Bowl contender. Now, maybe Clowney would have put them over the top as the favorite, but I think right now... They're really top two with the 49ers right now, and I think it's going to be a battle to see who's going to come out on top, and I think it's going to be the Saints. So I just really like this team. I'm just really excited to see these 53 guys go to battle here on Sunday against the Bucks. So before we get into our second half preview of the Saints 2020 season, I just want to list out the practice squad real quick here, and if I have anything to add or anything I was surprised about, I'll just say it as I'm going down the list, but just want to get these guys in real quick here. So starting off with linebacker Joe Bashi, who we talked about earlier, then linebacker Anthony Ciccolo, who is a veteran player that the Saints obviously want on here for depth, then linebacker Andrew Dowell, wide receiver Benny Fowler, who's also more of a veteran receiver. I bet if someone gets hurt, you could see him added to the roster as depth as well. He obviously had a great repertoire with Drew Brees, which is why he signed with the Saints. And I bet the Saints wanted to keep him around for depth just in case of injury or anything like that. 
Then the Saints also added tight end Garrett Griffin to the practice squad, cornerback Kaman Hall, wide receiver Little Jordan Humphrey, defensive lineman Marcus Hunt, who I wouldn't be surprised if we see him in the first game 53-man roster, as the Saints obviously did lose out on Jadavion Clowney, so you could kind of move Hunt in there and then move punter Blake Gilligan to the practice squad as the Saints could definitely add more defensive line depth that way. So then after Hunt, they did add Juwan Johnson to the practice squad, running back Tony Jones Jr., tight end Tommy Stevens, who definitely was a player that a lot of people thought would make the roster, but the Saints do get him on the practice squad here, and he's a guy that can keep on learning that jack-of-all-trades tight end position, so that's definitely going to be interesting to see his progression. Offensive lineman Calvin Throckmorton, guard-slash-center Cameron Tom, and then defensive back Keith Washington Jr., who had a huge training camp, as a lot of people thought he would have a chance at making this roster. So that's definitely really good there. To me, this is an amazing practice squad, and then just add this depth to the depth on the 53-man roster, and it's really like sky's the limit for this group. So really excited to see what this Saints team can do, especially depth-wise, like a ton of depth then. I think that if the Saints need to use it, they have it. So that's obviously really big there. So before we get into our preview of the second half of the Saints schedule, we are going to take a quick break. You are listening to the Houdat Discussion Podcast. Welcome back into the Houdat Discussion. And now we're going to get into our preview of the second half of the 2020 season. So I think we're just going to get right into it, starting off with game number nine against the 49ers. In the eighth game, I had them losing to the Buccaneers, just to give you some context there. And I had the Saints starting the season seven and one. So the Saints' first loss would have been against that Bucks after a seven-game winning streak to start off the season. But I think that in this ninth game, the Saints do bounce back off of the loss, and they do get the win against a tough 49ers team. Probably be very, very close. Probably won't be as high-scoring as the last game that these two played in the Dome. But I do think that it is going to be probably on the higher scoring side, like the 49ers offense probably still will be pretty solid. And I think the Saints offense will also be solid and really good. So I think the Saints will end up winning this one. I think the 49ers do have a great roster and this team will be hard to beat, especially in the playoffs. But I do think the Saints will bounce back and get the win here. I think that when looking at these two teams, very, very similar rosters, and I'm going to give the edge to the Saints because they are the home team. And Look, they won't have to deal with traveling. They won't have to deal with any of that. And even if there are no fans, I think there probably will be at least some fans by that point when these two teams play. And I think maybe that will play a role. Maybe it won't. It's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out there. But I think with the Saints right now, I feel like they will win this game in kind of a toss-up fashion. But I think the Saints do have a little bit of an edge when looking at these two rosters. Very, very similar. Kind of different styles of play, but very, very similar. Definitely very deep. Definitely have the star power. I think at the end of the day... I think the 49ers do have a few holes that the Saints could take advantage of, and I think that at the end of the day, the Saints will do enough to win this game here. Moving over to the Saints' 10th game, as now they started 8-1, I think they will defeat the Atlanta Falcons in their first matchup at the Superdome, and the Saints will win this one. I think this could be a trap game, especially coming after a big win against the 49ers, and then... After that home game against the Falcons, it is three straight road games. 
But I do think the Saints will win this one. I think the Saints have a superior roster to the Falcons. The Falcons do have a pretty good offense. I think it's very, very solid. I actually think the Saints have a better offense. And but I don't think by a large margin, but I do think that the Saints do have the better offense overall. And I think the Saints defense at every level, at every step, that they are better than the Falcons. So that's really my opinion there. And I think the Saints are just a better team in general. So I think they're going to get the win here. So that's obviously really good. So now you're looking at this team. The Saints through 10 games are 9-1. and one. So that's something that's obviously really good. That would be an amazing start for this team. And I think that would set them up as the number one seed. So that's obviously great. Moving over to their 11th game, I think they'll lose this one. So I think they'll move to 9-2 and two and they'll lose to the Broncos at mile high. I think the Broncos really throughout the whole Jabri Champagne era have given the Saints fits in their few matchups. They don't have a lot of matchups, but every single time the Broncos seem to come out on top. I think that especially playing at mile high at the end of November here, it's probably going to be really cold. I think weather will be an issue for the Saints. And I think coming off a few very emotional games against the 49ers and the Falcons, Saints just don't have enough in in this one, excuse me, and they will fall. I think the Saints will win their next game, which is against the Falcons, which bring out the brooms. The Saints will sweep the Falcons this year. That's my opinion. I don't think the Saints do lose two in a row the whole season. And I think this will hold up here against the Falcons. This will probably be a tough division game. But I think coming off the loss, the Saints will be motivated and they will get the win. And then in the final leg of this three-game road trip, I think the Saints will defeat the Eagles in Philadelphia. I think the Saints do really well against Philadelphia. I think they match up really good against this team. And I think at the end of the day, they're similar teams, like similar coaching styles with Doug Peterson and Sean Payton. And I think the Saints are just better. I think they're just a class higher. I think that's a, there's a few cases of that this year. And I think this is one of them. I think the Eagles probably will go around 9-7, and 10-6, uh, and six, and probably will make the playoffs here. But I don't see them beating the Saints, even though it's at Lincoln Financial Field in December. And I think the Saints really built for the weather as well. I don't see them losing a lot of road games. So I think the Saints end up winning this one, even though the the Eagles definitely have a good roster. But I do think that the Saints almost only Eagles in a certain sense. I think that really the Saints match up very well against them. And I'd love to see them either obviously here. And then I also love to see them in the postseason as well. So that's just my opinion there. The Saints come back home and get a greeting from the Chiefs. And I don't think the Saints win this one. I think going into the Dome, it's going to be one of those shootout, one of those just like classic games, and Patrick Mahomes will outduel the Saints and Drew Brees in this one. I think it will probably come down to like the last possession. And I think at the end of the day, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, and they're just amazing offense. I do not think the Saints match up well against the Chiefs. I think that this could be a Super Bowl preview here between these two teams, but I think that in the Superdome, the Chiefs get the better of the Saints in this one. So I do think that the Saints will pick up their third loss there. So at this point, you would be through 14 games with the Saints at 11-3. and That's obviously really good. So you obviously love to see that there. Moving over to the final two games here. The first one on Christmas Day, Saints-Vikings. I think the Saints will be extremely motivated to beat this Vikings team, and I don't think they lose two in a row, so I think the Saints win this one. I think the Saints do have a lot of bad blood with the Vikings, and they're going to just be so motivated to win this game, and they're going to be really, I think, just willing themselves to victory in this one. So I think at the end of the day, 
the Saints just have a ton of motivation in this one. It's obviously going to be a primetime game here on Christmas Day at the Superdome. I don't see how the Saints lose this one, so I think that obviously is big. I think the Vikings also did get worse, especially on offense. They did get rid of Stefan Diggs, and they replaced him with Justin Jefferson, who I do think could be a solid wide receiver down the line. Year one, I'm a little shoddy about, so that's really what it is there. I think their defense obviously got better with Yannick Njoku, excuse me, there. I think he's a guy that really takes their defensive line to the next step. But their interior defensive line is not very good. They lost Limval Joseph, and I think that the guys that they replaced him with aren't top-notch there. And also their secondary, to me, is something that the Saints could really take advantage of. You start running the ball, you pound it down their throat early, and then you open it up late with the passing. They didn't do that in the playoffs. They tried to get very, very cute. That's not how you beat this team. You beat this team by really powering it through this interior first, And then after you gain some success there, you could open it up downfield against their cornerbacks, which aren't really good in this one. So I think that the Saints could really take advantage of this Vikings team. And if they play them correctly, I really see them kind of capitalizing on this defense and ending up beating them. So I think that's really, really big there. And then the final game of this 2020 season, it is going to be Saints-Panthers. And I think the Saints do defeat the Panthers in this one. So that could be a game that the Saints sit some players, but I think that if the Saints have their full roster going, they're going to win it. And that's something that I think the Saints now will go to 13-3. and I think they will end up getting this one seed here, and that's going to put them in a really good position here to go to the Super Bowl. I really feel like this is the Saints' year, and I'm going to hold by this 13-3 prediction. I could see the Saints going 12-4 and if, let's say, that last game they sit players and they already have everything locked up. I could see them going 12-4. and There are a few games here and there. I could also see them losing as well, but I think the Saints should be between 11 and like 14 wins. I really believe that, and that's something that I would be surprised if they end up with 9 or 10 wins. I would be. I think stuff would have to really go wrong for this team, and I think that they're really ready to go for a Super Bowl run, and I think they're going to get a good chance there. And they went all in, and they're really trying to win one for Drew Brees or win a second one for Drew Brees. And I think this year they're going to have a true opportunity to get that done. But I think with all that said, it is time to wrap up this podcast. If you like what you're listening to here at the Houdat Discussion Podcast, you should definitely follow us on all of our social media platforms. So that means on Twitter, you can follow the podcast at the Houdat Dis. You can follow me personally on Twitter at Andrew Galata. Then on Instagram, you could follow the podcast at Houdat Discussion. And then also, you can listen to the Houdat Discussion wherever you get all your other podcasts. So that means iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. We're on all of those sites. Overall, this was kind of a long episode. Now we're definitely over 40 minutes here, but we had a ton to cover. And I had a great time looking at everything from the clowny stuff to the 53-man roster, and then also then to the second half of the schedule. But that's all I have in store for you guys on this episode. So I just want to say thank you guys for listening. Run it back. And who dat?